Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. For June, we have been taking up a sermon series. Every Sunday in June, we're talking a little bit about prayer. We gather at 9.30 for smaller group discussion, and then in worship, I offer a sermon, work with James and Justin, and we offer a service about prayer. Last week, we talked about liturgical prayer, or that traditional public prayer, And we'll also, next week, be talking about body-centered prayer, breath prayer, meditation. And then we'll wrap up with specific prayer, what many of us might think about when we talk about prayer, intercessory or supplication, when we pray and we ask God for something. But today, I'm coloring a little bit outside the lines because what I'm talking about is not usually considered prayer. What I'm talking about is how we speak about God. So in prayer, we bring ourselves before the presence of God, and we hope to meet God there in multiple ways, like I just mentioned. And we do that with this practice, too. But the practice that I talk about today may not be technically considered prayer, but I call it open-eyed prayer when we talk about God. When we talk about the presence of God in our lives, you might have heard this called witnessing or testifying, but I don't want to scare anybody who's Presbyterian, so I'm just going to call it God talk. God talk. What happens when we open our mouths to talk about the presence of God in our lives. It's a good thing to think about because it turns out that talking about God, that God talk, is not an easy thing to do. I realized in writing this sermon that I'm a one percenter when it comes to God talk. I do it as a pastor really all the time. But it turns out that not many people do. There's a man named Jonathan Merritt. Some of you may have seen his byline. He writes for New York Times, Washington Post. He's also a best-selling author, and he is also a Baptist pastor's son. And he wrote a book in 2018 called Learning to Speak God from Scratch, Why Sacred Words Are Vanishing and How We Can Revive Them. So what Merritt did in this book was he looked at Google data, Ingram data, which mines books, magazines, newspapers, all periodicals throughout history, and he looked for specific words, big words, like atonement, like salvation. And he thought he would find that those declined over the years, and he found that, yes, they did, But what he also found was that words like kindness and compassion and courage 
declined too. And he did a survey of 1,000 adults and he asked them how often they talked about God. Maybe you have a number that's popping in your mind, a percentage of how many people that you think regularly talk about God once a week. The percentage is 7%. So then he thought, well, it's got to be a lot higher with people who consider themselves practicing Christians, which I think these days we say being in church about once a month, and it was higher. But guess by how much? For people who consider themselves practicing Christians, they speak about God once a week, only 13%. So not that much higher at all. Now think about that. Think about that. How much time do we spend talking about things that we care about? About our careers, about our hobbies, about good TV shows, about our children, about our families. We spend a lot of time talking about other things, but here's the question. Why don't we spend more time talking about God? When it comes to God talk, we are mostly silent. So Merritt wonders, I wonder, we wonder why. Why? Well, they're good reasons, reasons that have developed over the years. Merritt says the number one reason that we don't talk about God is that we don't want to seem like extremists. Religious talk has been used, has been drawn up, has been turned into something other than what we intend. So religious talk can then create tension just say thoughts and prayers and you're going to land on one side or another and that's not something that would have happened before more recently religious talk can be divisive and we who want to talk god don't want to do that so people have been less eager to speak religiously in recent years especially with the religious landscape, I think especially with COVID and the questions that come up, with the ravages of that disease. There are reasons we don't want to talk about God. And the number one is we don't want to create tension. It's a good reason, but there's more. The second reason Merritt sees God talk in decline is that opportunities to talk about God where we're not going to be seen as divisive, as fomenting an issue, those opportunities to talk about God in a comfortable and a safe space, they're fewer and farther between. You all know this. Even folks who are religious and religiously affiliated, we just don't show up at church as often as we used to. Jonathan Merritt talks about, you know, his father's Baptist church. They gathered five times a week, I tell you, at Baptists. But then now they're once a week, only on Sundays. And I mean, I certainly grew up inside the church doors a lot more than most people are now. There's more going on in our lives, more places to be, more things to do, 24-7 culture. 
And so the church, as an anchor of community, is less and less prevalent. There are fewer places where we go, fewer opportunities that there are for us to engage in talking about God. And so, Merritt says, the less often we gather with a community that is speaking God, then the less comfortable we become speaking that language. And that brings up the final point. The last reason people don't find themselves easily witnessing talking about God according to this book is because of the language itself. Terms like grace, faith, prayer, testimony, they tend to get used when we're having religious conversations. But these terms can only be understood or followed if you have a certain set of skills, right? If you've been indoctrinated into the language, can you really understand the full connotation? And only then can you engage in this language. It's almost like an entirely new lexicon, Christianese, and it has its own rules and its own regulations, and it can be off-putting. And it's not just that that language can be a bit incomprehensible. I mean, I'm a pastor, I have degrees, and talking about grace can be very hard. It's not only that the language can be a bit hard to understand, somewhat incomprehensible, but these Christianese terms can and do carry negative connotations. From restrictive actions to proscriptive thinking, church words have done and can do and will do harm. So here's an example of how all of this works. When I first started thinking about this sermon series that we're going to be gathering around prayer for all these Sundays in June, I knew that I wanted to talk about this idea that we can speak up when we want to share our faith. And so I started flipping through my books and thinking about other things that I had wondered about or written. And so I decided that the title of this sermon would be Witness. And I was halfway through the sermon writing and halfway through the reading of the book and at least one draft into the bulletin, thank you, Shanita, when I decided that the sermon title itself defeated the whole purpose. Now, some of you are familiar with the Acts passage that calls us out to be witnesses. It's after Jesus has ascended and it says in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to all the ends of the earth. But then some of you are newer to church life came to this later in life, or maybe for some of you, this is your first time in a church building. And when I say witness, you think I'm talking about the latest episode of Law and Order SVU. So back to the drawing board. <laughs> and then I also thought about witness in my own life. You all know this, but I grew up in the mountains of East Tennessee and Southwest Virginia, and the climate there is very, I think because I'm from there, I can say this, but holy roller. And so I would go, Presbyterian kid that I was, but I would go to my friends' lock-ins and definitely felt 
that there was pressure to testify in a certain way, whether it's an altar call after the pizza or trying to answer the question, have you been saved before you can go play sardines? There was something negative attached to how I was asked to speak about God in certain situations. It came with this witness, came with this flashback to something that wasn't very comfortable to me, a, a pressure to perform or to conform, and that's in my own life. So I decided, okay, no, witness, it's not going to be. So I changed the sermon title. And I wanted in this title to challenge us, to challenge us as people who might want to put aside the call to speak God, who might feel comfortable with these explanations from Jonathan Merritt that there are a lot of good reasons why we just don't want to get into it, to challenge us who have been pressured to perform or conform or to speak in a certain way, but to challenge us because whether we want to or not, talking about God matters. Our God talk matters. Whether we are comfortable with it or not, the speech counts. Because the Holy Spirit does move in our lives today. And Christ has been part of our stories up until now. The psalmists say we open our mouths and we pour forth praise. Talking about God matters because God is in our lives. So what language do we need? What spaces do we nurture? What environments are generative? What language leads us to fruitful God talk? Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar. He's very well known, very prolific. And he says that overall and primarily, the people of God are a people of utterance. And you think about that. The stories of the Bible were stories first. They were told one to another around a campfire. They were spoken. We know in the Old Testament from what Susan read this morning that at the very beginning, the way God created, do you remember? God spoke. Speech. God's speech brought us into being. And guess what God said? If you haven't heard it before, if you struggle sometimes to feel it, God said, you are, we are very good. God spoke. God knows speech matters. And it's not just the Old Testament where the proclamations hold great significance. In the New Testament, it's full on this power of God talk too. You know, after Jesus is baptized and he hears a word of God, come down, a word of blessing, that Jesus is the beloved. When Jesus begins to actually start his work in the Gospel of Luke, the first thing he does is he goes to the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah and he speaks and he says that he has come to proclaim 
to talk, to say good news for the poor, for the captive. In our passage for today, we see again that God talk matters, that it's there. We see in response to Jesus' healing work, after he heals the hemorrhaging woman and resurrects the little girl who turns out was just sleeping. But the people's response to that, at first they laugh, but then they see the power of God in their lives, the power of Christ to heal, to transform, and you know what they do? They report, they talk, they share, and it goes throughout all the district. And then remember this, on the first day of the church, after Jesus ascends the Pentecost holiday, do you remember that the gift of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit fell like flames of fire with the sound of rushing wind, when the Holy Spirit could have done anything at all, the power the people received was to speak. To speak. Remember? All of a sudden, they had speech and languages they didn't even know they had so that they could communicate and so that other people could understand. Maybe it's time for us to remember that story. Maybe it's time for us to know that Pentecost news moving on from worn-out patterns of speech, that leaning in to new languages and new ways of speaking, that talking God is what the Holy Spirit asks us to do. Jonathan Merritt, the author of this book, after he makes the case for all the reasons why God talk is out of fashion and why we don't want to talk God anymore. I'm glad to say he gives us some suggestions for bringing it back in vogue. After all, the title of the book is Talking God from Scratch, Bringing Language Back into Our Lives. And he has a couple things that he offers that he thinks will work. So let's hear him out. First off, he says, the quickest way to kill a conversation is to tell someone what they need to know. What they need to believe, how they need to think, how they should experience God. I had a supervisor once who said, don't should on yourself. <laughs> so new spaces for God talk should be open. They should be affirming. People can share from their own experiences of faith, and even if you might not like it, even if we might not like it, we can hear and hold space for these conversations to happen. The second thing is, Merritt says, let's be more informal. Let's go out, get out of talking about God in more formal settings, says the preacher in her robe in a pulpit. <laughs> But he says, gather with your family and friends. Get together with your neighbors, newcomers, and talk about God. I know all the reasons why that's off-putting, but think about it this way, right? 
that new idea of God talk where we're naming our feelings and we say what we wrestle with and we share how we have been healed or saved or how we have shown up in new ways in our own lives. We do this here at Covenant, and I'm glad we do. We have very strong small group ministries. We have youth group. We have supper club. We have choir where you don't really talk, but you sing. And you can do it too. You can practice God talk with your family and your friends. Something tells me they would want to know nowadays that it is such a choice. There's so many other things you can do on Sunday morning. I don't need to list them. You all know more than me since I'm always in church on Sunday morning. But now that it's such a choice, the reasons why you show up here, they deserve to be shared, especially if you approach God talk in this way that we have begun to see it. And the other thing that this means is we don't abandon worship, the formal setting of worship. There are ways to speak and to pray and to sing more freely, and we do this at Covenant too. Instead of leaving all the language to the pastor and to other professionals, we have lay liturgists and the community choir members. All you have to do is show up at 10 o'clock and you can be singing in worship. Often in churches and here at Covenant, we use creeds left often, less often. And one of the things that we're doing in this series is trying to get creative about prayer. And so, this is what we are experimenting with today. Now comes the part of the sermon that will possibly be a surprise to you. I'm cutting it shorter than usual, maybe just by a couple minutes, but I'm giving you a little time for you to participate. This is what those lines are doing in your order of service. It's why I asked you to get started at the beginning of the service to look for a pencil. Here's what I want you to do. James is going to play some music for us. And if you just want to sit and think and pray, you're absolutely invited to. But what I would like for you to do in line with this conversation, with this sermon, is I want you to think about how you talk God. What would you say to one of your closest friends who says, what do you do on Sunday? Why'd you do that? What would you God talk about to someone in your family? Who is Christ to you? And if that doesn't get your wheels turning, because it's kind of a big idea, here's something for you to write about over the next couple of minutes. Well, then who first spoke God to you? Someone got you started here. Was it a grandmother or a pastor or a friend? Who first God talked to you? And what did they say? So now I'm going to begin with a prayer as we move into this time of reflection. And don't worry, we are not collecting the bulletins after worship, and I am not going to ask you to come up and testify, but I do invite you to consider your God talk now, to take this space, to think about the words you use when you speak faith, 
Let us pray. God of words, God of the word, Christ who is the word of words, let what we speak and think and write be not only acceptable, but formed with integrity. Let the vowels and the consonants spill forth, unashamed that our words may do honor to your world and to your word. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.